You're listening to sermon audio from Ransom City Church. For more audio content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. Open your Bibles to Psalm 18. That's where we're going to be this morning. Psalm 18. We're continuing our summer series through select psalms. We usually do this in the summer, so we're picking it back up this summer, and we'll be in Psalm 18. Um, I'll go ahead and pray for us, and we'll jump right in. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are, for saving and redeeming us by the blood of Jesus, that we get to be members of your kingdom and family through faith in Christ. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of faith that you've given us, that we even could believe and be saved. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, help us to praise you with with grateful hearts this morning. Worship you as a church family with gratitude as we remember the good news of the gospel um, of your saving and redeeming us by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. I pray that that would be the centerpiece of our time together this morning and our one and only hope, not only as we gather here to worship you as a church family, but as we go out from here on mission to preach that good news to a fallen world that desperately needs to hear it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 18, that's where we're going to be. Jumping right in. um, Let's talk a little bit about our context. We get our context of Psalm 18 from the heading. If you look at Psalm 18, the heading section of the text itself kind of tells us what the context context is of, of this psalm. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, and then it goes on, Um, The ESV study summarizes the context of this psalm well. Uh, The ESV study says this. It says, this is a royal psalm, i.e. it celebrates the way that God has shown his love to his people by giving them the Davidic monarchy and by preserving David through many dangers. Um, They say, see the title in uh, verse 50. They go on to say, uh, the text of the psalm is almost identical to 2 Samuel 22. The two songs differ, however, in their context. 2 Samuel 22 is David's personal expression of gratitude to the Lord, while Psalm 18 is the adaptation of that song for the whole people to sing, because their well-being is now tied to the offspring of David, as we see in 2 Samuel 7, 4 through 17. When God's people sing this, then, they were to give thanks for the Davidic line, and pray that its heirs would be faithful to the Lord and would be valiant military leaders so that Israel might carry out its God-given purpose of bringing light to the Gentiles. So that's just a good summary from the SV study, giving us a little background as we jump into the text. Similarly, with our New Covenant goggles on, when we look at Psalm 18, a couple things. A, We should be giving thanks to God for his faithfulness in the provision of Christ. Ultimately, the offspring of David, whose throne and whose kingdom will have no end, who lived a perfect life in our place and died a sacrificial death in our place, that through faith in him, we'd be forgiven of all of our sins and reconciled to God. Go from enemies of God to members of his kingdom and family through faith in Christ. So when we look at Psalm 18 with our new covenant goggles on, firstly, we we should be giving thanks to God for his faithfulness in the provision of Christ. 
that we'd be saved through faith in him. And secondly, we should be praying that God would guide and empower us and our spiritual leaders to continue to fight the good fight of faith that the church, the the capital C global church, might carry out its God-given mission to bring the light of the gospel to and make disciples of all nations. Which, personally speaking, as one of your spiritual leaders, if you're a member of Ransom City Church, is a prayer that we would greatly appreciate. (laughs) It's just prayer as spiritual leaders right now with how crazy this past year and a half or so has been and continues to be um, if you continue to pay attention to just what's going on in the world. This this past year and a half or so has been tough on just about everybody. Amen? And that certainly includes pastors and other leaders within the church throughout the globe. And so your prayers are certainly appreciated as you think of that. Now, uh, we're we're not going to be able to cover all of Psalm 18. There's there's no way. Um, (laughs) uh, We're not going to be able to cover all of Psalm 18 in depth this morning. Uh, There are 50 verses. We just don't have time to go through all of that in depth. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through and hit some of the highlights as we go. So we're not going to hit everything, but I'll kind of be your tour guide. We'll hit kind of the highlight reel. Um, Even there, we'll not get to all the highlights, but we'll hit some of them as we go and and kind of unpack it as we go. Um, So with that said, uh, let's jump into the rest of our text this morning. So starting in verse 1, look at verse 1 through 6. David says this, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. In short, David is praising God here for hearing his cries for help in the midst of his distress and for interceding and delivering him from his distress, in particular from the hands of his enemies in this instance. For delivering him from what at times looked like a hopeless situation. We see this in verses 4 and 5 as he describes it. He says, The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. Right? So he's praising God for, for delivering him from what at times looked like a hopeless situation. Now, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes God intercedes and delivers us from our distress in this life, much like what he did for David here. Amen? Right? Sometimes that happens when it accords with his sovereign will. Right? So when, like David, we find ourselves in the midst of distress, we should do what David does here and cry out to the Lord for help and for deliverance from our distress in prayer. Right? We should do the same thing. Amen? Right? Because, as James 4.2, the second part of 4.2, highlights, sometimes you do not have because you do not ask, right? And so when we're in a similar situation, in our distress, we should do what David does, cry out to the Lord for help and for deliverance in prayer. Amen? Right? 
Make sense? We should just do so ultimately in submission to the sovereign will of God. <laughs> we should do so ultimately in submission to the sovereign will of God, echoing Jesus' prayer in Luke 22, verse 42, where Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We should echo Jesus' prayer when we're in a similar situation to David. In the midst of our distress, we should cry out to the Lord for help and for deliver, deliverance in prayer. But again, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Ultimately, praying that in submission to the sovereign will of God, right? But even when God doesn't intercede and deliver us from our distress in this life, we know that for those who know Christ by faith, one day he will deliver us from all of our distress when either we die or when Christ returns and redeems all things, right? So we can echo David's words when he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. In verses 2 and 3, David says this. And, and we can echo David's words when he says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To, to my God I cried for help. For, from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. In verse 6, because even if God doesn't intercede and deliver us from whatever distress we might be facing right now in this life, we know that for those who know Christ by faith, one day he will deliver us from all of our distress when either we die or when Christ returns and redeems all things. So no matter how hopeless our situation may look in this life, we know that in Christ, church, no situation ever is. Amen, right? Because deliverance is on the way. Deliverance is on the way. If not in this life, then certainly in the life to come. When either we die or when Christ returns and redeems all things. Let's look at verse 17, or 7 through 19 now. Verses 7 through 19. It says, Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. At the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from on high, he, drew, he, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. It's verses 7 through 19. Now here we see fire and, and storm and war imagery symbolize 
God's just wrath against David's enemies here. That's the picture that's being painted. Fire and storm and war imagery being symbolic of God's just wrath against David's enemies. Just wrath, uh, just wrath is guaranteed for all who still stand as enemies of God, i.e. for all who fail to look to Christ by faith, both when they die and in full when Christ returns. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, in accordance with God's sovereign will, the active wrath of God breaks through in the here and now. Amen? Sometimes that happens in accordance with God's sovereign will. Sometimes that future eschatological reality that, that, that those who continue to be enemies of God never repent, never look to Christ by faith, right, will eventually face the wrath of God, right, the, the, the active wrath of God, either when they die or Christ returns, right, um, well, when they die and then in full when Christ returns, sometimes that future eschatological reality breaks through in the here and now, right? We see that here um, against David's enemies. Now, all the more reason to act today and not delay and to look to Christ by faith that you'd be saved from the wrath of God while there's still time. Because sometimes God goes, yeah, that's enough we're done now. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. And his act of wrath breaks through in the here and now as it did here with David's enemies. See, the just wrath of God is not something to be trifled with. I, I've said before, anytime I've seen like videos of this kind of thing or heard about instances of this kind of thing with like shark or bear or mountain lion encounters. Right, there was one not that long ago that was a mountain lion somebody encountered on a trail. Horrifying. <laughs> and they had to like back out for forever as it stalked them. But, but I've said before with, with things like those kinds of encounters, the, the only reason someone walks away from one of those is because uh, that animal didn't want to eat you that day. That's it. That's the, that's the only reason you're walking out of that in, in those instances with a predator like that that could kill you that easily. And in the same way, the wrath of God will one day devour the enemies of God. The wrath of God will one day devour the enemies of God. And none of us know how much time anybody has left before that happens. We don't know. We don't know. So if you don't know Christ this morning, to put it bluntly, stop poking the bear and swimming in shark-infested waters and repent and look to Christ by faith that you'd be saved while there's still time. Because you don't know how much time you have left. None of us know how much time anybody has left. And, and the only reason you've survived thus far, if you're still standing as an enemy, enemy of God, is because God in his wrath has not wanted to devour you yet. But with every day that passes, you're running out of time, if that's you, if you're in that position. So again, if, if you don't know Christ this morning, repent and look to him by faith that you'd be saved while there's still time. Because again, we don't know how much time anybody has left who's in that position. And they eventually will face the wrath of God if they don't repent and look to Christ by faith. Amen? Verse 20 through 30. 
David goes on, says this. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes uh, I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from my, from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you, I can run against a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Meaning, the Lord dealt with David according to his righteousness in this particular situation. Okay? The Lord dealt with David according to his righteousness in this particular situation. According to the cleanness of his hands in this particular situation. Not perfectly, by the way, even in this situation, but by and large. Especially when compared with his enemies. I think that's what David is getting at here. God rewarded him with rescue from the hands of his enemies. He was blameless before God in this particular situation. Meaning, not that he was perfect, but that there was no sin in him that he was aware of, that he was guilty of being unrepentant about in this particular situation. I think that's what David is driving at here. And in accordance with God's sovereign will, God rewarded him with rescue from the hands of his enemies who, unlike David, were in the wrong in this particular situation here as a result. That, that's how God responded in accordance with his, God, his sovereign will in this particular situation is by rescuing David, right, from the hands of his enemies. Now, this doesn't always happen in this life. I, I don't think I am telling you new information, <laughs> okay? This doesn't always happen in this life. The, the wicked are judged in this life in real time in situations like this and the righteous are rewarded. That doesn't always happen, amen, right? I don't have to tell you that. You know that because we live in a fallen world. That doesn't always happen in this life. But sometimes it does. Sometimes it does in accordance with God's sovereign will like it did here with David. Right? Sometimes it does happen that the wicked are judged and the righteous are rewarded in real time in this life. And whether it does or doesn't happen in this life, rest assured that the wicked will be judged and the righteous will be rewarded in full when Christ returns and redeems all things. Because God is a God of justice. Amen? Right? So, However uneven the scales of justice are in this life, and they are, just, just <laughs> as a general, because we're in a fallen world, they are. Right? Justice is not perfectly being executed right now in any given situation, because we're in a fallen world, right? So however uneven the scales of justice are in this life, they will be set right in full when Christ returns and redeems all things. Amen? Now, 
We'll go ahead and stop there, um, meaning that'll be the end of our Psalm 18 highlight reel <laughs> for the sake of time. There's a lot more we could cover, but just for the sake of time, we'll stop with the highlight package on ESPN for now. We'll kind of unpack some things. Um, now, here's the problem, <laughs> if, if you've been paying attention. Uh, on our own, apart from Christ, we are wicked and not righteous. Amen? I talked about this a few weeks ago. This is a very similar concept here in this psalm. Very similar problem. On our own, apart from Christ, we are wicked and not righteous. On our own, apart from Christ, we don't want God to deal with us according to our righteousness. According to the cleanness of our hands. We, we don't want that to happen on our own, apart from Christ. Not in the truest sense of that phrase, right? Because if we're honest, on our own, we are far from righteous, and our hands are far from clean. Amen? So if God dealt with us according to our righteousness and according to the cleanness of our hands, apart from Christ, that would lead to our condemnation and not our rescue. That would be the result of that. God dealt with us according to our righteousness, according to the cleanness of our hands apart from Christ. That leads to condemnation. That leads to just wrath, hell, for all eternity, for our sins, right? We'd be devoured by the wrath of God like David's enemies were, not rescued. That would be the result. If God judged us according to our righteousness, according to the cleanness of our hands apart from Christ. But here's the good news. Good news is this. Christ lived a perfect life in our place and died a sacrificial death in our place to pay for our sins that through faith in him, God could deal with us according to Christ's righteousness leading to eternal life and not our righteousness or lack thereof, more properly, leading to eternal death, i.e. hell. Amen? Christ is the only one who is truly righteous. The only one who truly has clean hands. The only one who is truly blameless. In other words, the only one who is without sin. Perfectly righteous, right? And that perfect, spotless righteousness is counted to us by faith. Christ's perfect righteousness is credited to our account through faith in him through faith in Christ, right? So that when God deals with us according to our righteousness, the righteousness that's counted as ours, that God now deals with us according to is the perfect righteousness of Christ, which is credited as ours through faith in Christ. That's the good news here. That's the good news of the gospel. And as if that isn't enough, Here's another bit of good news that you might have missed in our passage this morning. Now, some of you might have already put this together or started to put this together, but here's another bit of good news uh, in our passage in Psalm 18 this morning, and that's this. Psalm 18 finds its ultimate fulfillment not in David, but in Christ. And here's what I mean. <laughs> Psalm 18 finds its ultimate fulfillment not in David, but in Christ, the victorious King of all creation, Christ, Jesus, who defeated his and our enemies of Satan, sin, and death in his death on the cross, and who will one day deal with his and our enemies as his people once and for all when he returns and redeems all things. 
a truth which goes from very, very bad news to very, very good news for us through faith in Jesus. Because when Christ returns, we'll be dealt with according to his righteousness and not ours, which has been counted to us through faith in him. Amen? So that as we talked about a few weeks ago, through faith in him, Christ's return goes from very, very bad news to very, very good news to us because it no longer means our reckoning, but our rescue. Because we've been clothed in Christ's righteousness, his perfect righteousness by faith and will be dealt with accordingly when he returns. Amen? And in the meantime... Christ empowers us for progressive victory over our sin in the here and now. To put to death the deeds of the body and walk in newness of life more and more each day by the power of the Holy Spirit until we reach the finish line, until either we die or Christ returns and our sanctification is complete. In the meantime, Christ empowers us to, to take more and more ground, trench by trench, until either we die or Christ returns and our personal fight with sin is finally ended once and for all. He empowers us to do this in our personal fight with sin more and more each day by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's the spiritual reality of how verses like 30, uh, verse 31 through 42 apply to us as believers in Christ. So let's look at that. We haven't walked through that yet. Let's look at verses 31 through 42 because this is the spiritual reality of how these verses apply to us as believers in Christ. Verse 31 through 42, uh, David says, for who is God but the Lord and who is a rock except our God, the, the God who equipped me with strength and made me my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a, a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You, you gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me, I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets." Right? This is the spiritual reality of, of how verses like that in Psalm 18 apply to us as believers in Christ. Not only will Christ completely defeat our enemies of Satan, sin, and death once and for all when he returns and redeems all things, but he empowers us for progressive victory over our sin, i.e. to put our sin to death more and more each day by the power of the Holy Spirit in the here and now. Amen? Now, with all that said, how do we respond to this text? Three things I want to leave you guys with as we close this morning. Number one, Christian, don't lose heart. Deliverance is on the way. Christian, don't lose heart. Deliverance is on the way. Think of the Mrs. Doubtfire quote 
help is on the way, dear. Help is on the way. Like that, that's this kind of, right? That's an imperfect illustration of this is better. You get it. You get it. Don't lose heart. Deliverance is ultimately on the way, right? If not in this life, then certainly in the life to come, right? When either we die or when Christ returns and redeems all things, deliverance is coming eventually in God's sovereign timing, right? So, and and certainly in full when Christ returns, we know that. So no matter how hopeless our situation may look in this life, we know that in Christ, no situation ever is. Again, no situation ever is hopeless in Christ because deliverance is on the way. Again, if not in this life, then certainly in the life to come when either we die or when Christ returns and redeems all things. So Christian, do you believe that? The deliverance is on the way eventually. Do you believe that? And and are you living accordingly? Especially, church, let me put it bluntly, in this past year and a half or so that we've been having, it's been really tough on everybody. Do you believe that? It's not hopeless. That that deliverance is on the way. May not happen in this life the, the way that we may be hoping and praying, but it is coming eventually. Right? Deliverance from our distress, either when we die or Christ returns and redeems all things, right? So do we believe that? And and are we living accordingly? And if not, let's repent together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So for one, Christian, don't lose heart. Deliverance is on the way. Secondly, go preach the gospel that more sinners would go from Christ's enemies awaiting their defeat to members of his kingdom awaiting their rescue when he returns through faith in him, right? Go preach the gospel that that would be true of more sinners through faith in Christ like it is for you if you have faith in Christ this morning. Like we talked about a few weeks ago that the return of the king, King Jesus, would no longer mean their reckoning but their rescue through faith in him because they've been clothed in his righteousness by faith and they'll be dealt with accordingly when he returns. So go preach the gospel to more sinners that more sinners would have that be true of them through faith in Christ as it's true of you if you have faith in Christ this morning. Thirdly and lastly, in the meantime, as we eagerly await Christ's return, fight to the finish. Fight to the finish. Again, take more and more ground trench by trench until either we die or Christ returns and our personal fight with sin is finally ended once and for all. But go storm those trenches. Go storm those beaches in your fight against sin, right? You know, until then, until Christ returns, until we die or Christ returns, we've got beaches to storm. Right? We have battles to fight in, in, in our fight against sin, in our fight against uh, the lust and greed and, and worldliness and covetousness and sloth and cowardice and self-centeredness and pride and so forth. Name your thing, insert your thing here, that's in our hearts as sinners. So we die or Christ returns. We've got battles to fight there, amen? And so <laughs> to give you an illustration, fight Hard until you're honorably discharged. (laughs) 
in your fight against sin, fight hard until you're honorably discharged when either you die or Christ returns. Then your personal fight with sin is over. But until then, you're on. You're in this thing. You're, you're, you're fighting that fight of faith in your personal battle against sin. And so you should be living accordingly. Right? So fight hard until then. And, and fight, fight hard and fight like you're on the winning team. Because in Christ, you are a church. You know, I, I don't know, just to put it bluntly, I don't know if you've read the rest of this thing, the, the Bible, um, but just as a heads up, uh, Jesus like totally wins in every way at the end. Like complete and total victory. I just want to, in case anybody hadn't gotten that far, I know that's a spoiler alert if you hadn't gotten there yet, but he wins completely and totally in the end. And, and, and he leads us, Jesus leads us as his people to total victory over our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. That's how this thing ends. Church, our total victory in Christ is a guarantee. That's just what happens at the end, according, by the way, to our sovereign God, God who is writing the story. That's how it ends. So fight like that. Amen? Until you die or Christ returns and your personal fight with sin is finally over once and for all. But until then, fight hard. Amen? And wherever we're not, church, wherever we're not fighting in light of those truths, let's repent together as a church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we... Thank you for these truths, for these beautiful gospel reminders. Lord, we always need them as sinners who are prone to forget, but especially in a challenging season, Lord. We need to hear these things. We need to be reminded of these truths. And so we thank you for that reminder in your word this morning. Lord, help us to live accordingly. Empower us to live accordingly by your Holy Spirit. And wherever we fall short, we know that we will. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of all of our sins that we have in Jesus. We thank you that um, you judge us not according to our righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, but according to the perfect righteousness of Christ for those of us who have faith in him. We thank you for that good news. Lord, help that to be our one and only hope, not only this morning as we continue to worship you, but, but as we go out from here. Lord, help that good news, that gospel hope, to be our one and only hope and to fuel us as we go on on mission to go share that hope with the world that more sinners would be saved through faith in Christ as we have been for those of us who have faith in Christ this morning. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.